This week on Behind the Message, we celebrate Jesus is risen from the dead. And the resurrection demands a response. Daniel speaks in the third person, and it is awesome. <laughs> Can you speak? Do you ever go? Do you ever speak in the third person? Can't. Can't? You can't do it? <laughs> Daniel thinks it's great. Daniel's here behind the message. Okay. Was there a gnat up there? No. Church family, we are back with Behind the Message um, with Daniel and Jennifer. Continuing on, enjoying this platform. It's fun. We it hope is fun. It is fun. We hope it's serving you guys well. Um, we're thrilled as a church body that we are still able to gather um, for our weekend services. That is a blessing that we never want to take for granted. And thank you guys for continuing to RSVP, continuing to honor and love on one another by wearing masks when you're there and socially distancing and all those things. And so um, thank you for that. Um, we are honored and blessed that we get to continue to, to gather as a church family. We know that's not the case um, everywhere. So, And thank you for your encouragement um, to us in doing this and for sending in questions to our mailbox. Um, again, you can send them in to btm at tcbchurch.org. Um, we are going to have an announcement about our mailbox later on um, in the broadcast today, so that'll be kind of fun. But anyway, also remember, church family, that our service times have changed just a little in that we are not having four services on the weekend, only three. So we've got Saturday at 6.30 and Sunday morning at 9 and 11. So continue to RSVP for those. Um, and y'all are doing great at that, so thank you very much. Um, and now Daniel has some news. No, not really. Uh, I know. What a lead in. Um, about our elder letter and some things that are going to be coming up with yeah. our elder letter. So if you don't know, every week our elders, it kind of rotates around, they just address our church. And uh, sometimes our elder letters can be pretty heavy because of just where we're at in the season of time. Over the next couple of months, we're going to be just really practical. And we're going to kind of champion this idea of being doers of the word. And so what we realized is the last six months of our lives have been pretty heavy. Yeah. And so we've had to deal with heavier issues. And we may have to insert some of those mm -hmm. into the schedule. But we're going to talk just really practical in those elder letters about how we do some of the most basic pursuits. So methods that we pray. How do we pray? How do we read? How do we study? How do we share the gospel? And you're just going to get to hear from our guys and just the little routines that they build into their life that kind of help them pursue those things. So again, uh, they come out every Thursday in the e-letter. They're posted online. But check out our elder letters. I think they're going to be pretty cool That's in the awesome. season ahead. So just something to look forward to. That's awesome. That'll be great. And we are not going to draw attention right now to Daniel's shirt. We're just not going to do that. <laughs> NFL is back is all we're going to say. <laughs> one, one of our teams won and one of our teams lost. And that's, that's just all there is to say about that. And the end. <laughs> all right. No, no, all right. We'll jump in. So, Sermon, what got you? Okay. So, here's what got me. Um, it was resurrection. It was phenomenal. Um, it was one of those things, we talked about Christmas a few weeks ago where we were in the, the story of the birth of Christ and how that's typically such a Christmas story and whatever. This is typically such just an Easter story that we preach on Easter. So the whole um, implication of the resurrection, and we're going to dig into it when Mike comes to do the sermon recap and all of that, but um, was overwhelming to me. And what stood out to me was this beautiful picture that Mike presented of um, when Christ, 
after he was raised from the dead and those people that he appeared to first. So this is what got me. So the first person that he appeared to, and Mike teaches through all this, but was Mary Magdalene. And the picture of grace that that was because of who Mary Magdalene yeah. was, the, the person that she was, the picture of that grace. And then the second person or people were the two guys on the road to Emmaus and how uh, Christ just pursued them and talked to them and pursued intimacy with them and pursued revealing truth to them. And then the last one was dear sweet Peter, <laughs> who he just pursued and revealed himself to, to say, as, as Mike said, failure is not final and yeah. pursues us even in our failure. And so what got me this week was just um, the risen Lord's pursuit of those three characters, which translated to me the risen Lord's pursuit of me. Yes. In complete grace, um, in complete intimacy and revealing of his word, and in absolute complete um, statement of your failure is not final and there's something beyond that. So that's what got me. It was so awesome. Good. Yeah. I love that thought. I, uh, for those of you who are kind of, you identify, you connect with that and we all should, want to make sure you do something in this. It's really mm -hmm. important. We tend to enjoy those stories because of the way they make us feel. Mm -hmm. We want, we identify with uh, uh, their sin, their brokenness, their desperation, and we see that in ourselves, and so it doesn't make us feel bad. That's not what Jennifer's talking about. Realize what that says about who God is. Mm. See, the beauty of that isn't really about Mary or Peter mm. or the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. It's about who Jesus mm -hmm. is that he pursues them. Mm -hmm. That's such a more um, deep observation mm -hmm. to take out of that that's so good and draws our attention back to him mm -hmm. and away from ourselves. And in those moments, we're tempted to identify with other people who share our same weaknesses so that we feel better about ourselves. Don't feel better about yourself. Feel better about who God is, that he would love you in spite of right. yourself. Yeah. So that's, that's cool, I love that. Uh, real quick, one of the things uh, that came out in Luke 24, 45, Jesus then, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Two quick observations I was thinking about as Mike was preaching through this. One, Jesus makes known the scriptures. Yeah. He is the living word of God. Yeah. He is the living testimony of that. I, even going back a few weeks, he is the sign bread, right? right? He is the revelation of God. He makes truth known. thought that was incredible and a great observation to understand, therefore, the power of scripture as, uh, as it points to Jesus and then as Jesus makes that clear and makes that known to us. Yeah. Second, understanding the scripture is not natural. Mm -hmm. It's not instinctive. Mm. I thought that was, I, yeah. that hit me. So here they are, think about this. Jesus is standing right in front of them, uh -huh. like raised from the dead. I mean, right. you saw him crucified and he's there right. and it's different maybe a little bit, but man, he's there and right. you're just like, I don't <laughs> quite get it. And, and it's hard. And so the thought is, it's not natural. Yeah. To understand the scripture isn't natural. And so as we approach scripture, we have to approach scripture in prayer yeah. with the dependence on the spirit. We have to approach scripture with diligence mm -hmm. and not just our instinctive thought, but we got to work to let those yeah. things unpack in our yeah. life. So those were, those were a couple of things. It was, it, was a, it was a powerful message and just placing ourselves, like you were talking about, placing our lives at a point where we make sure it is intersected by the word of God daily, knowing that, God is going to reveal himself 
through that and it's not going to be our natural thought process. It is his resurrected power within us um, and his spirit that reveals truth. So yeah, and the beauty of Christ's pursuit of us, overwhelming, overwhelming. Okay, so um, Mike's going to come and he's going to recap the sermon for us and um, just give us a quick breakdown. If you got, here it goes, go ahead. Mike Lord, (laughs) come on down! All right, let's do sermon recap. Talk about it a little bit. Uh, by the way, good to be with you guys. Back that was with sweet. you. Th- this thing's going pretty pretty well. Behind the message, y'all are doing a great job. That's sweet. Kind of kind of famous. There's a lot of chatter <laughs> about this. You know, autographs coming soon. We, what, whatever. Yeah. All right. We're selling it. <laughs> We're holding out. You know, for uh, uh, big salaries in the contract. Yeah. Just contract negotiations. I got that. I'd hold out. All right. Let's talk about the sermon recap for a minute. Uh, so obviously this past weekend we had the opportunity to talk about the resurrection yeah. and to dive down into scripture. The, really the greatest thing in the history of the world was the reality that Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead, the greatest event in human history. So to be able to talk about that and preach on that, our church walked through that, what a privilege and what a great time to be walking through that as a church. So again, Luke 24, really quick context as we read through it. When you come to that section, you're overwhelmed at the state of the disciples' despair. You know, there's almost this hopelessness that our leader is dead. All that he's told us, man, how does all this work out? This doesn't make a lot of sense. And even John reminds us in John 20 that they just didn't understand. They didn't get it. They didn't get all the prophecies and all that Jesus had said. All they know is Jesus is dead. So you come to chapter 24 early on Sunday morning or the first day of the week. The ladies go to the tomb. They're they're going to prepare his body for burial. They expect to find the dead man, but... Stones rolled away. The angels had been there, rolled that stone away again, which I thought was an important point. They didn't roll the stone away (laughs) so Jesus could get out as if he's hindered by that in any way. But so the disciples and the women and even us 2,000 years later through faith could look in and see he's not here, he's risen. So just imagine that moment. The ladies are there. They're trying to figure it all out, and the angels appear again. You know, and was it one angel, two angels? Doesn't matter. It's, it was multiple angels, but the context of all the Gospels come together to tell us that the angels announced, why are you looking among the dead for the one who is alive, the living one? He is not here. He is risen. And this incredible angelic proclamation of the greatest reality in human history, he's not dead. He's defeated death. He's abolished death, Paul says in Second Timothy. Left it inoperative. Uh, incredible announcement. So that was our big truth, that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And the, the tension I, I hope we saw in reading through this, uh, most of us in our church probably are familiar with the realities of the resurrection, but really have no idea of how that, the implications of the resurrection apply to every area of life. So we had some of these big truths that flowed out of that, that I was just so taken aback as I read that, particularly in chapter 24 of Luke, of how what the risen Christ did and then what the risen Christ said, Mm -hmm. and just settle there for a while and spend time with those realities. So the risen Christ met with his disciples. He he, he made himself known to them, to Mary Magdalene, and then the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and then Peter, and the incredible picture that is, and just the reality that the risen Christ abides with his people. It's no different now. We, through the Spirit of God, have the incredible privilege of abiding, communing, Mm -hmm. fellowshipping, with the risen Christ who is very much alive. And then he walks them through scripture there on the road to Emmaus and explains, it's as if, okay, everything now makes sense as he opened their minds 
and gave them understanding, which in their own abilities, they didn't have that capacity. Yeah. Neither do we. We are totally dependent upon the Spirit of God to open our minds. And He does that, and we get to watch that happen mm -hmm. as He walks with those disciples on the road to Emmaus. So the risen Christ confirmed the, the truthfulness of Scripture, and you see that happen. And He explained Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, how it all fits together. He being the centerpiece of all of that, speaking to them as one who's just risen from the dead. So that was incredible. And out of that, he says, I thought it was a great statement. I'm sure I've read it hundreds of times maybe, but never caught me like it did, 2447. And then he says, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. Mm -hmm. Should be proclaimed. If all this is true, it's got to be told. You have the message of the gospel, and here I am as the risen Christ. This has to be told in my name to all the nations. So the risen Christ gave them, gave, gives us a mission to make him known. And then finally you see that, man, for all of us, unbelievers and believers alike, the reality of the resurrection says basically it calls for a response. Mm -hmm. You can't be neutral. Uh, either he is who he says he is, or he's not, and you have to completely reject him altogether. Or, like Thomas, my Lord and my God. And I think that's incredibly applicable, again, for those who don't believe to come to that point of faith and repentance or rejection, but also for us believers. Mm -hmm. You know, Thomas was wrestling with the reality of this, and he had to come to that place, my Lord and my God. We have no room for apathy. We have no room for complacency. We have no room because of the resurrection for cultural Christianity. Mm -hmm. Either he's Lord and God, the resurrected Savior, who is worthy of everything, or is not. Mm -hmm. And we believe by faith that he is. And that, that really is a game changer for everything. So huge implications. Let's talk about it. So let, let's talk about it. All right. So one of the things that you, you just kind of went through that's just profound, and I want you to see the time because this happens every week. When we go to Scripture, we see truths in Scripture, but those truths have implications. implications. At Tri-Cities, we call those big ideas, right? And so those big ideas are, if this is true, then. Mm -hmm. And it has so many implications. One of the things that I think would have been really challenging this week is limiting the big ideas. I mean, the implications of the resurrection on the life of the yeah. Jesus follower are just immense. I mean, they're just immense. Yeah. But I want to focus in on and, one of them. And you nailed it. That's a good point because originally I thought, man, I'm just going to hit like eight implications and do them fast because <laughs> they're there. But too much. It is. <laughs> too much. So I, I want to go back to one and tie in an example you gave early on as you're going through kind of the descriptive account yeah. along with one of those big ideas, which is that the risen Christ calls us to a mission. It, it sends us out. There is a response. There is a doing. And you talked about Joseph of Arimathea. And I want to read this in verse 50. Now, there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. He was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever been laid. All right, so here's this. You, you, you kind of brought this up a little bit. I want to take you back to that for just a minute. Sometimes we think of a call to action as God will just open all the doors and it's just an easy path to just walk through. Like, like you know, the sea parts, Red Sea, and we just walk through. Sometimes we just got to start swimming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in this account, 
the doors don't open easy. Right. He has to just leave everything, take a sledgehammer, and just go to town mm -hmm. on the door. I mean, so kind of break that down within the implication of the resurrection and why it, it doesn't just put us in a place of passivity on mission, but in fact, it gives us the sledgehammer and says, go. Yeah. And, and I gotta make a comment really fast in that what blew me away about Joseph, and I, and I wanna hear all of those, because they absolutely blew me away, but Joseph of Arimathea did all of that prior to the resurrection. Yeah. So he was walking, he was one right. looking for the kingdom of God in hope of the That's resurrection. Right. And anyway, that blew me away. Anyway, go ahead. And that's a little bit to be juxtaposed to the disciples who were in the upper room in fear. Right. But here's this Joseph of Arimathea right. who to do, again, to do what he did literally cost him everything. Yeah. And the, the gospel writers, for whatever reason, don't go into a lot of that. You have to read between the lines a little bit. But the fact that he didn't consent, yeah. the, the prevailing conversation of those that he had spent his life, I mean, he was in the Sanhedrin. That was like the elite. Man, you get there and you're in the Hall of Fame kind of thing. Right. He's that guy. Of ultra-Jewish Orthodox. Ultra-Jewish yeah. Orthodox. And for him to not consent, and not only to passively not consent, but then to actively oppose yeah. the decision that had been made cost him everything. So he goes to Pilate, asks for the body, and all that he did there was a public declaration of, I'm looking for the kingdom of God, and oh, by the way, this one that was crucified, he is the Messiah. And, that's and he's not even been raised from the dead yet. Right, and that's amazing for me to think. I had never thought about the fact that he, as an ultra-Jewish, ultra-Orthodox Jewish man, handled a dead body. Handled a dead body. Um, I had never thought about that, and for him to literally in his actions live out, um, yeah, the Jewish laws really are empty. I mean, the mm -hmm. Jewish laws, this man was the fulfillment of all of that. Right. They are no longer applicable to my life. I'm trusting in a resurrection to come. Yeah. And in order to show that, and I can just picture him, I don't know what kind of, I mean, we've been to Israel, what kind of Jewish you know, gear he had on yeah. when he took that body um, yeah. down off the cross. but to have that garb on, but then to be walking in a faith of what this garb is, what sure. it is held to for so long, sure. is no longer applicable to my life. That was really powerful. That was sure. a social culture that he just, yeah. he just put away, he just yeah. cast away. That's good, and if you're, if you're listening, I wanna, I wanna kinda unpack something that we do sometimes, I think, in the church. Especially when we haven't studied our Bible a lot, we look back and we think of like the Pharisees, we think of these people and we think they're just really devoted to the word of God. That's really not it. So when Jennifer's talking about these Jewish laws, she's not talking about the Old Testament law given by the Lord. What they, what they did is they took specific um, methods of application and they raised them, frankly, above the law. Yeah. So they said, this is how you have to do these things. So in other words, it would be like a church saying, okay, not that you have to share the gospel or not that you should pursue uh, Bible reading, but it'd be like so saying, if you don't read the Bible 10 hours a day, you don't love Jesus. And this is how you have to read and this is how you have to mark your Bible. And so it, they gave methods right. to this and then they raised those methods up to be on par or even sometimes above scripture. Right. Jesus calls them out on this. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't the devotion to God's word and his revelation in the law. It was the devotion to the man-made religious practices yeah. that got them in trouble and they got to a point where they couldn't distinguish those things. Yeah. Yeah. And so here you see someone seeing through that. And Joseph goes back and he sees the revelation of God being made known in a crucified Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's a powerful thing as he's wrestling through that as he seeks the kingdom of God. And this moment seems to have much more authority and uh, much more line up with the revelation of God in the Old Testament yeah. uh -huh. than these man-made laws yeah. that the Sanhedrin has so propped up. Right. And so you get to see that play out. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Go ahead. Well, just a final thought on Joseph of Arimathea, and this can be really quick. I mean, here's the first account we have post-crucifixion of a follower, and it cost him everything. And, I, and again, we, we talk about that, and, you know, again, I even said in a couple of services, it's becoming more and more of that. But in the West, we really don't connect with that a lot. It cost him everything. Mm -hmm. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he did. And you're right. Did the doors open for him? Well, the Bible doesn't even tell us. I guarantee he wasn't part of the Sanhedrin. I guarantee he yeah. lost his reputation. Yeah. I guarantee he lost his income, his status, his place in society. Might have lost his life. We don't know. Don't know. It cost that dude mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. But he felt like Jesus was worth it. He believed yeah. Jesus was worth it. So one more connection back to just big ideas. So in a minute, we're going to get into our mailbox, and we've got a question that comes right back yeah. to this very thought. But you were going through, and you were explaining how Jesus didn't need the stone to be rolled away, so he get out. And someone like sitting around me was like, what? <laughs> they never thought never about, thought about it. Their mind was just like exploding. And you could see them over there as they were connecting those thoughts. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> they were just they were just having a blast with well, it. Yeah, the other picture of that is so Jesus is there tapping his watch going, will that angel ever get here to roll us on? I've been yeah. waiting for hours. Get me out of this tomb. Yeah. So it's not that way at all. So watch what happens. By taking the time and the diligence to mentally wrestle with the truths of what happens, you begin to understand implications. Mm -hmm. And so in one of these things, what you realize is there are a lot of things that happens in Jesus's ministry mm -hmm. that are for us, yeah. not for him. That's yeah. right. And so the way he chooses to reveal That's himself great. and act yeah. is for us. And we're going to get to one of those questions in a minute in the mailbox, yeah. but I thought that was really cool too. Yeah. So. Which good. ties into even last week, the Lord, that was last week, the Lord's Supper, the call to remember and to remember, yeah. well, that wasn't, Jesus didn't need help remembering. He doesn't have to sit down and take the Lord's Supper, you know, to, yeah. to remember, but he places things around us and reveals himself in ways in scripture for us in order to remember because of our weakness. Yeah. Hey, speaking of, of remembering things, if I remember right, you guys are Cowboys fans, right? Okay, so as we move we on are, to the mailbox session. We are, even when the Cowboys fall three points short, we're still fans. <laughs> just just thought I'd ask. I'm sure that just will come up at another time. Sunday, it was great, man. Really, great sermon. We're just great all excited that, that football's back, but we'll get back fun. to your... <laughs> and again, you talk about the implications really quick. We're going to, do, uh, we're going to preach through Acts this week, not the whole book, just what... All that's an implication of the resurrection. Yeah, it is. I mean, that was their message. Then we're going to do a message in Romans the next week, their implications of the resurrection, what all that means. So all of that, really the rest of the yeah. New Testament, yeah. are implications of the cross and the resurrection of Christ. So yeah. to your point. And, I, and, and listen, I'll do a little plug for the Bible reading plan right now. So I was in Acts chapter 1 this morning, cause, and it's 1 through 7. Like chapters 1 through 7 was the reading for today. I'll catch up. But verse 1 literally says, um, chapter 1 of Acts says, first account, this is Luke talking, um, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. And that's exactly where Acts picks up right there. So I just thought yeah, that was right awesome. There. Yeah, coming off of Luke. That was right hey, as, you're, as you're reading through the reading plan, don't forget to get those weekly guides. 
They're accessible online. They're such a great resource, especially if you're reading through uh, and you're just, whether you've read through scripture a lot and you're just kind of in a routine of seeing some of the same things sometimes, that reading guide will help you see a few different things. Maybe it's the first time. There's resources in there every week. There are videos, other articles. They're just great. So again, make sure you check out that yeah. weekly reading guide that goes along with the reading yeah. plan. Really great resource for a church. Thanks again, bro. Yeah. Thank you. All right, now we get to do a segment that's called Now What? where um, Daniel and I can kind of just kind of dig down into some other passages and maybe some other um, ideas that were brought up during the message. So, um, Daniel, what have you got this week for Now What? Yeah, so let's group this into two, okay. two audiences for a moment. So let's, let's say you're watching this and there's never been a moment in time where you've placed saving faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. How do you respond to the implications of a resurrection? So what you would need to understand is that you were created by a supreme being, the one true God, and he has created you in his image. And yet in sin, you have chosen yourself to live for your glory, uh, really for self-worship rather than to live for him. And the Bible teaches us that we've all done this, that we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. And so in our sin, we are now separated from that one true God, separated from his love, separated from his purpose, and frankly, standing in opposition to him, deserving his wrath, mm -hmm. the creator to the creation. But yet God loved us his creation, so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, who we've been reading about through these gospels, to pay the penalty for our sin, to take death upon himself, to hang on a cross, so that we might be redeemed, so that through faith in him, we might be reconciled, made right with God again. And the resurrection is the crescendo, if you will, of that amazing gospel story because Jesus doesn't die and stay dead. Mm -hmm. He defeats death. He defeats the penalty of our sin. Mm -hmm. And in our faith in him, we count his work as our own. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing when we acknowledge Jesus as the son of God, we are acknowledging him as the one true God, the created purpose of our life and we are dying to self and living in him. And that only happens through this spirit-led faith that recognizes Jesus mm -hmm. is savior. Jesus is the one true God. And so the way you would respond is really simple. It's acknowledging who he is. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging that he is the one true God who was given for you, mm -hmm. who gave his life for you. And so I would challenge you if you're in that spot, even right where you're at, to pray for the first time and to just acknowledge who God is, Savior of the world, the one true God, who you are, a sinner separated, and who Christ is, right? That saving revelation of God himself who gave his life for you. And so in your own words, there's nothing fancy about that. I'll just go to the Lord and acknowledge who he is and trust the work of the Spirit to redeem even you. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful picture of the gospel. And again, to see the crescendo of that in the resurrection, to understand that if Jesus can defeat death, yeah. I can live again. Yeah. And that's an incredible testimony of the gospel that we've been reading through all the way as we've read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just 
just precious. And so the way you should respond if you're not a believer, saving faith and repentance, turning from self, turning to Christ. By the way, one easy thing you get to see in that too is baptism. Isn't that such a beautiful picture of that? Yeah. The old self buried, buried. dead, raised mm -hmm. new in Christ Jesus, a new creation. And so mm -hmm. you get to see that picture in this ordinance given to the church in baptism. Neat thing. All right, good. let's switch it back. Yeah. So if you're watching this and you are a child of God, mm -hmm. you're a Jesus follower. There's been that point in time where you've repented, placed saving faith, and turned to him for everything. Yeah. What does the resurrection mean for you today, yeah. like in the way you live? What are some practical implications of that? What I, what I love about the message from this weekend was this. The resurrection demands a response. Yeah. And for an unbeliever, just like you said, it demands a response. Um, and for a believer, and I think that is, and, and one of the articles actually that's, that's posted on the message guide for this week is, is called The Neglected Resurrection. I think for believers, um, we think, this is going to sound so trite, but the resurrection got us saved and yay. And so now we just go on and there's no daily implication. I know in my own life, um, there's not enough daily implication of that. So as much as the resurrection demands a response in an unbeliever's life, it demands a response daily in a believer's yeah. life. And um, that was powerful to me, powerful for me this week. Um, so this is the picture that came into my mind when I was thinking about as a believer, um, and, I, and if Mike were still here, he could speak to this much better because he probably has a visual aid to describe it. But um, when Mike studies the word, and this really does tie in. But when Mike studies the word, um, and not to preach, when he is just in the word, um, he has, and any of you who have been around him for any length of time know this, he has a multicolored pen, which... Amy does this. Yes. So, and he has shared this with many, many people. This was taught to him. But here's why he uses a multicolored pen. And I'm going to get the colors all wrong, and maybe he can do a little after follow-up and explain the colors. But... Um, what he, why he uses a multicolored pen is that when he's reading the Word, he is looking for specific things in the Word of God. He is actively pursuing, God, how are you revealing yourself to me? That's what the resurrection does. The resurrection makes the Word come to life. It makes our time in the Word. It makes our communion with God a living communion. And we should daily walk in expectation of God where are you sending me? What are you calling me to do? So back to the multicolored pen, and this is going to be such a wrong explanation of it. But he will have different colors. If he's reading along and he, uh, he is constantly looking for, is there a command that needs to be obeyed? Is there a promise that I need to claim? Is there a character or a quality of God that I need to, that I need to think on, that I need to dwell on? Is there a sin that I need to confess? And he marks that in the passages of scripture that he's reading. So he's actively engaging with the word as, as he's studying, as he's just reading devotionally. That needs to be our life. I mean, we need to have the multicolored pen on our life constantly, that we are walking through all of life confessing sin, why? because the Spirit of God is made alive inside of us because of the resurrection, um, that we are, God, what are you calling me to do today? Why? Because the Spirit of God is actively alive within me because of the resurrection power of Jesus, I have been made alive. Um, for a believer, and I'm talking about myself here, to walk through life humdrum bored in their Christian life is not because 
something was lacking in what God did to provide for us. It's because we're not walking in an active awareness of the resurrection life that is within us right now um, and not pursuing that. So there should always be a mission that we're called to or a command that we're to obey or something that we're called to confess and to repent from, um, something brand new about God's character, about his, his person that's been revealed to us. And that's what the resurrection does in the life of a believer daily. And we shouldn't have to look back to a month ago, oh, what a sweet time I had with the Lord. We should be looking at what time with the Lord did I have today? What did he reveal in my life today? Because his resurrection power is within us today. Um, so that was, what, that was what got me. That was what stood out to me about what do we do now? What do yeah. we do with this resurrection power now? It was a powerful message for me. It was a powerful message. And it does lead into um, our mailbox question. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You can't go yet because I was thinking about something. Oh, see, he's going to fall. See, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to move on smoothly. I know. You, you're, you're doing good. Okay. I, but I, I want to chase this because it's so cool. And it fits where we're at right now. So we, it might have been last week or two weeks ago, we had a question around COVID and just all the yeah. uncertainty and the stress and the drama of that. Like you don't know, are your kids gonna to go to school this week? Right. Are they not gonna go, do I need to get a babysitter for this? And we still don't know. Still don't know. And so everything's changing. Do I wear a mask to this? Do I not wear a mask to this? Right. All that kind of stuff, right? So it's all fluid and yeah. it's all moving around. The resurrection mm. means certainty. Yeah. Here's, here's why. So Jesus conquered death. Mm. It's not like we're waiting mm -hmm. and hoping he might be able to. Right. It's done. That's good. It's finished. And so as we live in him, that's what we mean by abide, mm -hmm. as our faith, our hope, our salvation, here's what we're saying. Our standing with the creator mm -hmm. rests in Jesus, mm -hmm. not ourselves. Right. Our righteousness, 100% in him, not 99%, 1% us, 100% in him. And he already has won. Yeah. And so because of that, We'll pray this over you guys in a minute, but Paul writes in Ephesians, listen to this for just a moment, it's incredible. He says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Mm -hmm. By grace you have been saved. Now listen to verse six, this is important. Catch the tense. And raised us up with him mm -hmm. and seated us with him in the heavenly places. That's oh. incredible. Here's the point. As Christ is seated in the heavenly places, we are with him. Yeah. Our standing is with him. Not later. Yeah. Today, it's done. Because it's not about us and it's not in doubt. You have certainty. So regardless, whatever's going on in your COVID world, regardless, whatever's going on in your life, regardless of suffering, loss, whatever, you have certainty because of the yeah. resurrection. And that changes the way you live. Yeah. Imagine if you knew that risk that you're worried about, you knew it would work out. Right. How much easier the decision would be, how much more boldness you would have, how yeah. much more confidence you would have. That's the way life is for us. Right. The end is certain. Yeah. That's because of the resurrection and the power of Jesus Christ. There was an incredible story that went along with that and it was in one of my seminary classes and I'm not going to remember which one, but one of my professors told the story that if you were an eight, nine-year-old child and you were told you were going to become for sure, for certain, a world-famous piano player. Like you would travel the world, everyone would know you, you would draw crowds, you would play beautifully and that's going to happen when you're however old, when you're 32 years old, that's gonna happen. That's awesome, it's a sure thing. 
But between now and then, all you have to do is to continue to practice and play the piano, but know for sure this is the end. There's a journey to take yeah. to get there, but the end is already secured, it's done. Yeah. How much more motivated would we be every day to play that piano and to practice yeah. knowing the end was absolutely certain? That's our lives. Mm. I mean, we're told every day what we're to pursue, what we're to put off, what we're to put on, how we're to live. The end is, is certain. We know what the end is going to be. Um, that should motivate us every day to live in the knowledge of that, of that end. Yeah. Um, and that was, and, and on a really personal note, and I'll share this. Um, so this past weekend was the first time in a year and a half that um, I went to my daddy's graveside. Mm. Hadn't been there in a year and a half. Um, it was hard, it was sweet. I was with my mama, which was good, and only my mom and my sister and I crack each other up uproariously in whatever situation we're in, so we could do that. But standing there looking at that, and, and so many people watching this, and you have, have been in situations like that, it seems so empty and final and useless and pointless to look down at that, that dry dirt and to just sit there and look at that. If, were it not for the fact that I know the end of the story and I know that that dry dirt is not the end of my daddy, um, and I can rejoice in that in his death, but I can rejoice in that in my life, yeah. that what, what we're going through right now is not the end. This is, this is not, everybody's you know, putting all these memes out, 2020 just needs to be over, <laughs> you know, it just needs to be finished, and it's been a tough year, there's no doubt. But, this is not the end game, you know, and, and God has already sealed in his promise, in his word, by his resurrection, um, what the end of the story is. So that is, that's And so Paul powerful. says, I'm content in all things. Achoo. I find it well. It, mm. Content, by, by the way, it, it's a bad translation for what he says. He says, I find it well. And what does he find well? All his suffering, all the hardship, all the loss. Why? Because he is convinced that the suffering of this age mm. cannot compare yeah. with what it means to be seated with Christ yeah. in the heavenly places for all of eternity. So he declares what it. What is to come. Yeah, and so he believes what it is. What it is. Sure. All right, That's mailbox good. now. Now mailbox. we can move on. That was okay. good. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, okay, so you have a little announcement about mail, a mailbox. Oh, oh, I do, oh, I do, do I do, it, do I do. It. I got excited, I got excited. All right, so we're coming at you next week with uh, our regular Behind the Message. Uh, you, it'll come out, you know, there Tuesday morning. But later that week, there's going to be a special mailbox edition. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. All right, special Are mailbox you? edition. I am. Okay. I'm it's going to be incredible. Okay. So we've had some bigger questions that come in yeah. that we couldn't quite fit in, you know, just a, a quick two or three minute yeah, answer. Because y'all send in legit stuff. You I do. Mean, you do. You do. Yeah. So we've, we've collected a few of those, and we're going to have a special behind the message mailbox edition. Extent, we got to come up with a cool name. Extended edition. What's, what's, what's wrong with mailbox edition? I don't know, because it sounds silly. We'll give it a cool name. You guys name it. You send it. No. <laughs> let's, 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 let's let the audience name it. Okay. We need, okay, we need a name for our our mailbox edition that we can't call that because Jennifer doesn't Extended like it. Extended edition. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be in addition to, it'll be incredible. You'll love it. All right, it'll be great. Okay. So we'll let you know more, Super. but that's coming. Again, so send in questions. Always send in questions. Yeah. Send them in our way. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it to you. You get the first shot this question. Great question that it came in. It's asked, why did Jesus refer to himself in the third person, <laughs> the third person at times? Give some, and he gave some examples of where he explains, like the Son of Man is, or something like that. And he goes through the New right. Testament. Okay, pause while you think about it. 
I can't help it. No one's going to get this. If you get this, you, you, you let me know, all right? But all I can think of is like, you, you know, me no, 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 no. It's like, you know, do you, <laughs> you won't See? remember. Do you remember? Jimmy's ready. Jimmy's got the moves. Jimmy's down. Anybody? She has no clue. She didn't know who Mary Poppins was. I didn't expect her to get that this reference This obviously either. is not a Mary Poppins reference. So if you remember any of that. Are you not going to tell us? Uh, no, because that would ruin it. I can't. I, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you later. Okay. All right. But, but anyway, <laughs> don't look it up either. It's not worth looking up. But it, it's just one of those things. Either you get it. But that's what I think of in the don't third Don't Google person. things all willy-nilly is what yeah, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. All right. So okay. what do you got here? Okay. Jesus first himself in the third person. So Why? for example, wanted just to give our listening audience uh, an example of what um, this person asked was, for example, in Mark 9, for he was teaching, Christ was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered mm -hmm. into the hands of men. So that's, that's what this person's talking about, um, speaking in third person. And I'm going to be really honest with you. I had never thought about this before. And in all honesty, I'd never thought about that. Is that funny? Is no. that bad? No, I was I love the whole theme of this. Okay. Yeah. Like that's what we're talking about with these big ideas yeah. and the implications and it's thinking, I mean, it's incredible. So here's what happened. This, before this is anything else, this is supposed to be a study group. This made me study. Like this mm. question made me really dig in and think, yeah, why does he do that? I mean, it never detracted from scripture. No for me and it never made me question who Christ was talking about. So I really tried to dig in and you're going to be able to go much deeper. But here in general, yeah. So here in general is my answer and then Daniel's going to give the the correct answer. So my answer would be this, just from reading and um, studying some things and looking at how many times he does that and most of the huge majority of the times that he refers to himself in third person, it is the son of man. He calls yeah. himself the son of man. Um, but here's the only answer I could come up with. And it's this. Um, there's even a pattern in Old Testament um, scripture um, and in history where kings that wanted to present themselves in a way um, of uh, royalty and superiority almost would refer to themselves in the third person. And this was done um, even in the Old Testament um, when God spoke. He would sometimes refer to himself in third person um, when references to Yahweh in the Old Testament. But the only thing I could come up with here is that Jesus is presenting himself as a king, identifying himself with who he is as Messiah, as the Son of Man, and the reference that goes back to Isaiah, but um, he's presenting himself in a very royal, who he is, king of kings, I'm the fulfillment of these things, and it's such a high and mighty and lofty identity um, that he uses third person. Now you go. No, I love it. All right, okay. so... so um, I'm going to be not at all that specific, so that, that's a good answer. I'm going to speak kind of to, uh, you know, the, 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 the old saying, like, you, you know, you, you teach somebody to fish or you give them a fish, you know, that yeah, whole yeah. Little, right? But So I want to teach you to fish. Throughout the New Testament, throughout the gospel specifically, Jesus again and again refers to himself in these descriptive parallels. We talked about that a few weeks ago mm -hmm. uh, uh, when we saw Jesus, the Lamb of God, Jesus, the bread of life, mm -hmm. Jesus, the good shepherd. Even as Jesus refers to himself in the third person and says, Son of Man, again and again, there's, all, there's so many of them. Mm -hmm. For the one true God, mm -hmm. who is the word that has become flesh, to just say, I, yeah. <laughs> is is unfathomable 
to us all that is wrapped up in that. Hmm. Remember what we talked about earlier in the episode. So much of what Jesus does is for us. Mm -hmm. We tend to think of these things happening like for him or no, it is God making himself known to us. So here's what I challenge you to do. When you see these things happen, pause and study them. Mm -hmm. There are some really, really great descriptive parallels in which God is helping us understand who he is, yeah. how he cares for us, how he works in our life. And I think the fact that he refers himself to himself in the third person does that. And by the way, there's also the account where Jesus says, I am. Yeah. And he just gives He just the lays I am. it out, yeah. And so And how powerful that yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. So he's got all of those. And so learn to go study each one of those. It's a really, really good study and it will mm -hmm. help you get a deeper understanding of not just what's happening in the gospels. Mm -hmm but who God is and how he works in our life. And great this question. Tied, it is a great question. This tied in really beautifully with our lesson from this past week and Jesus was on the road to, to Emmaus. And when he speaks yeah, to those men, right. he says, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things? And he, he uses that when he's, when he's teaching. And for you saying that, it just makes you think, what was he, how was he presenting himself there? He was already risen from the dead as the Messiah, as the Christ. And so he, he speaks to these men and he says, was it not necessary for the Christ, for the Messiah, for, for this to happen to him? So that's a, a great study tip. Dig in. <laughs> just dig in and chase those thoughts. You know, when you have questions, just pursue them. That's great. Awesome. You guys are awesome. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the questions. Keep the questions coming in. Yeah. If there's things that we can do to continue to help you, uh, always let us know. We'll jump in, we'll close in prayer, but before we do, stay tuned after we pray, there's a give to go update. Uh, for those of us at Tri-Cities Baptist Church, we got a great opportunity to use our resources, the finances that the Lord gives us to work together to advance the gospel locally and around the world. So uh, stay, stay tuned after we pray for a give to go update. All right. Jennifer, yeah. close us out in prayer. I will. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray Ephesians chapter two, um, verses four through nine over us today. Um, incredible, incredible verse that I just want to pray over our church family. Okay, Lord Jesus, today we thank you for your word and your resurrection, and we do not say that lightly ever. We praise you for your resurrection, because we know that you, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which you loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, Father, you made us alive together with Christ. And by grace, we have been saved. And Father, you raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Father God, we praise you for this truth. We praise you that by grace we have been saved through faith. And this is not of our own doing, but it is the gift of God and it is not a result of works so that no one may boast. Father, we praise you for the resurrection and for who you are. And it's in your son's name we pray these things, amen. Hey, I'm Nathan and welcome to the Go Challenge. So how can we here at Tri-Cities Baptist be a part of advancing the gospel across the world? The answer, give to go. So give to go is our mission fund here at Tri-Cities Baptist that we use to advance the gospel across the world. 
Uh, in Philippians, Paul talks about this uh, as he explains and he writes to that church, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And that's Philippians 1, 3, and 5. The church at Philippi played a key role in Paul's ministry. They, they gave sacrificially, they gave uh, generously to his ministry as he expanded the gospel there across the Mediterranean world. And here at TCBC, we can do similar things by giving uh, generously uh, through our fund, Give to Go. And that advances the gospel not only here, but it advances the gospel across the world. Uh, and so together, we will multiply our capacity to advance the gospel across our five uh, Go Pursuits. Reach the unreach, plant churches, serve the vulnerable, train leaders, and send disciples. So our challenge here, church, is, is to give, give consistently, give sacrificially, and give generously to give to go to make Jesus known. You can find out more about giving to give to go at tcbchurch.org backslash give to go. Thanks.